I choose to strive for unity in my family, my key relationships, and my church. We're, gonna, we're in a series, and we're going to talk about some, some things today, but guess what? The, the, big, the big aha this morning, and I'm not shooting it at any, every time like the pastor gets up and talks about a hard topic, they think like, oh, he's talking to me. It must have been because of my counseling session with him this week or something like, right, you know, and you think, but isn't this a topic that all of us need to figure out is unity? How do we stay unified? And I want to I hit that today. We're, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, um, but, um, but listen, listen a couple of these things. Uh, this is really about unity. Is you know, On the positive side, we see that as individuals, we're part of a whole, that we're a body, that we're, that we're one part but many members, that we all have different roles, different functions and all that. When you look at unity, it's, it's we all come together and we're one piece of the puzzle. It's not all about you, right? It's about you, but it's not all about you, right? We say that quite a bit here. Um, there's a, an overarching mission to advance the kingdom of God until Jesus comes back. And depending on your eschatology, even after Jesus comes back, that we're advancing it, right? That we're part of this, that, that we're an end-time army. And man, this is just me. I, I feel like I'm excited about this thing, that we get to be the church. <laughs> that was me like pushing for a applause. That was, that was terrible. On the negative side of this deal, we, we see that, that uh, disunity leads to division, which is counterproductive to the mission of the kingdom of God. Would, would you agree with that? That disunity leads to division, and, it, and it's totally counterproductive to everything that God's wanting to accomplish, um, whether it be in your family or whether it be in the community or, or in the church. On an individual level, I believe this. I believe that division can lead to isolation, and that Isolation can lead to loneliness and depression and all this stuff. And so, and, and so you see, well, man, why unity? And I'm like, well, gosh, look at all this stuff. You know, if we have division, if we have disunity, uh, at, the, uh, at the worst case scenario, you have people that are doing life on their own, that are isolated, that eventually walk in, in uh, depression and heaviness and all this. It's so much better to do it together. It's so much better to do it together. We weren't designed to be alone. We were designed to do life with people. So we better figure out how to get along with them. That's, that's at least my thought. <laughs> today, man, I, I, just would you bear with me today? You know, the, it might not be all the warm fuzzies, but it's, it's like, man, every once in a while we just need that. We just need to eat meat instead of milk, right? And, all right. Yeah, maybe I'm just saying that because I have a six-month-old at home. Listen to this. Have you ever wondered what makes the difference between a spotlight and a laser beam? How can a medium-powered laser burn through steel in a matter of seconds while the most powerful spotlight can only make it warm? Both may have the same electrical power requirements. The difference is unity. A laser can be simply described as a medium of excited molecules with mirrors at each end. Some of the excited molecules naturally decay into less, a less excited state. In the decay process, they release a photon, a particle of light. It is here that the unique process of the laser begins. The photon moves along, and I like this, it tickles another mo molecule. <laughs> inviting another photon to join him on his journey. Then these two photons tickle two more molecules and invite two more photons to join the parade. Soon there's a huge army of photons marching in step with each other. It is this unity that gives the laser its power. 
A spotlight may just have as many photons, but each is going to its own independent way, occasionally interfering with, each, with other photons. As a result, much of its power is wasted and cannot be focused to do any useful work. However, the laser, because of its unity, is like an army marching in tight formation and is able to focus all of its power on the objective. Isn't that a brilliant picture? I think that's what God wants of us, that we are this powerful laser united that we can accomplish more together than we can apart. We're in this series called Sit, Walk, Stand, and if you haven't noticed, maybe you've been with us all through the series that today is finally, everyone say finally, finally we're going to start to walk. <laughs> We're going to walk today. We're going to start this. And you, you see this, the, this, this uh, series title, maybe you've read the book by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand, and I stole the title because it was just so good. And, uh, you know, why reinvent the wheel, right? And so we're going to, we're, this is a study in the book of Ephesians. The whole series thought that we can, we're hanging on to for, for here until, I don't know, three months from now when we're done with this series, right, is this. As believers, it is a must to learn that our Christian walk and even our stand against the enemy has to flow from our seated position in Christ. The background of this book if you've been with us you know that that the apostle paul wrote the book he wrote half the new testament figure if you write bible we ought to we ought to take you know notice of you a little bit any of you wrote bible no no all right paul's a he's a pretty cool cat he wrote um, the book of Ephesians, and he wrote it while he was in prison in Rome, and uh, it's likely he wrote the book of Colossians right about the same time in that same prison, and, uh, um, and he, was, he used to live in Ephesus. In fact, he was the, the apostolic pastor of the church of Ephesus. He was there for about three years, so he had a good idea of what was going on in Ephesus, and, um, and there was lots of idolatry going on and lots of different things, but in the midst of this, this idolatrous city, the church of Ephesus rises up, and um, the unique thing about this book is that Paul's not writing to correct an issue. He's writing to encourage and really like lay some spiritual foundation for um, this church to walk in. But most believe that this, that this letter wasn't just written to the book of Ephesus, but it was written to all the churches at that time. And it's one that we can all look at back now and say, wow, he's writing to us. He's writing to this church. The cool thing is you can bring some, some or pull some individual themes out of here that are just for you that you can take personally. But we have to always read this book with the lens that he's writing to a group of people that he's writing to a whole church there were many people at that time that he's like in fact this this thing of unity i mean he wouldn't he wouldn't have to talk about unity if he was just talking to one person right but he's talking to a whole church he's like hey let me in fact the first thing that he hits as we get out of the the sitting portion of ephesian is unity this is how you should walk we uh we see as we look back over the last few weeks week one was all about being in christ in fact, the thought was this, everything we could ever need or want is in him, Jesus. As believers, it's all ours for free, period. Week two was the master key, the master key I'm sorry. It's the degree that you agree with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your life is the degree that the eyes of your spiritual understanding will be opened. The next one that we talked about in week three was, where am I? And it was this, the more I realize that I'm seated in heavenly places, 
the more I walk in the victory that's already mine. Week four was, what's so amazing about grace? I stole that title again from another famous author. When I said, you notice I said another famous author. Uh, grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned kindness and favor of God. Week five, we talked about God's masterpiece. The cross was more than just a rescue mission. It was God's way to give us value and purpose so that he could accomplish his kingdom plan. So we're skipping the end of chapter two and, mo- and, and all, of, all of chapter three, and not because it's not good, it actually is really good, but, but I felt like we needed to get to the walking portion, and, and I encourage you to read those. What you find in, at the end of chapter two, and we'll probably come back and reference, reference it maybe like next week, but you start to see um, Paul talk a little bit about um, apostles and prophets and kind of their roles, and then and he goes on, he talks about unity in the body of Christ. Really what he says is that, is that if we all come together, it's like we're a building and in this building that's made up of of human blocks the it's a place for the dwelling of the presence of God and and, and that that's huge as we look at unity that that we're greater together than we are apart part of that is is that as we come together there his presence is with us it's huge. And then um, in chapter 3 and things, we see a little bit more of that. But this is what you start to see. And this is really what Paul's even looking at when it comes to unity is um, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And there was a big deal back then of the Jews and the Gentiles coming together because the Gentiles were starting to come to know Jesus. And, and the Jews, the Messianic Jews already knew Jesus, but they were the chosen ones, right? Right? They were the ones that the, the, the Jesus came first for the Jews, is what the Bible says, and then the Gentiles. So there was a little bit of pride there, like we were chosen first, you know. It's kind of like my brother and I. And, and I mean, you know, and, and then the Gentiles come along, and Paul has a real heart and a real calling to go after the Gentiles. And so he starts to talk in Ephesians about, hey, you guys are, are one now. Like, like, come together. Like, this is, there, there's no difference between Jew and Greek and, and slave and free. Like, this, like, like, let's come together now. And so you start to see a lot of that, and, um, and it's huge. But now as we come into chapter 4, we see a huge pivot point in this whole deal. In the first three chapters, we discover that go, all that God has done for us. And now, here's the big deal. In light of what God has done, What's our responsibility in this whole thing? And it's a good thing we didn't start here, right? Because any of you just, just say, hey, just tell me what to do, Pastor Jonathan. Just, just give me the list, right? Just tell me what to do. We'll get done. We'll, we'll get it done for you. Any of you like the doers, the workers, you know, like, man, I can't believe all these lazy people on here just want to come and worship all day. Let's just go out and get something done, you know, right? Is it just me? Okay. All right. Well, moving right along. And so right here, you see Paul saying, okay, now, this is what you should do, and it's unity. Today's title is really is just that, unity, the bigger picture. There's a whole bigger picture. I'm part of something bigger than myself, and that's why there's a call to unity. So what's the point here? Paul's addressing unity between the Jews and the Gentiles we covered, and, and he's written this whole thing to the whole church, but it's, it's likely intended for all of us. And uh, um, the rest of, of Ephesians really shows us this. This is what it's all about. How do we maintain what God started in the first three chapters? All this stuff that God did for us in the first three chapters, now from, from here on out, is like, how do we maintain this? 
How do we keep this thing going? How do we grease the wheels and the engine and keep it going? And Paul leads off with the monumental topic of unity. Um, it's interesting how, like our natural family, a lot of times there's parallels to our spiritual family, our church family. And um, I was just thinking about even just in, in my family, extended family. Recently, I had uh, um, all of, uh, we had Kaylee's cousins and Kaylee at our house. And you get the, you get the cousins and, and Kaylee together, and it, it's an interesting time. There was a lot of stuff to write home about. And uh, and, and I, was, I was looking at this whole topic of unity. I'm just like, man, maybe, maybe some of you, most of you probably can't re- relate to this, but some of you could. But it's just, you know, like you hear these noises like, like uh, she hit me, right? Or she bit me, you know? Like knock it, stop, no biting, no biting. You know, we don't do that in this house. And, or the whining. It's like, ah, oh, Aunt Becky or Mommy or Daddy. I get home, I'm like, knock it off. Right, you know the the one finger eyebrow raise, right? Like we don't we don't do that in this house. You know, this is all this stuff going on. You know, I mean, you get the family together, and and there's gonna there's oh, there's gonna be a little bit of a little bit of tension rise, and there's the the fighting for my way, and he said, she said, all that type of stuff. And I just I start thinking, man, that's just like the church. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like the church sometimes. Maybe not, not this. And we're talking about all the other churches in Kearney, obviously. We're not talking, about, not talking about Spirit of Life. But it's just like most of the churches except for Spirit of Life, you know? I mean, I, I look, I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek, right? But I, I look at even just my own life and how easy it is for me to get into this he said, she said, and fighting these battles, you know, the, the you, know, what, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's really interesting. And you look at your own, you look at your own family and all the, the craziness that goes on at family reunions and all this stuff. And then we come here in church and we're like, no wonder it's the same way here. Like, oh, Christians are just hypocrites. Well, maybe, but it's all, maybe it's also that we're just human and we've got to figure out how to do this thing just like everybody else. Right? So here's, this is, this is kind of, Kind of that loving, hey, why can't we all just get along? And if you need it, maybe a, is that all right? If, if this is for you. Maybe, maybe this is just for the person sitting next to you. Elbow someone and say, this is for you. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know the feeling. You're, you're, uh, you're driving down the road and you have the, the kids are arguing in the back seat, right? You know, do you ever, you ever think that God's like, you know, the driver and he's just like, Shut up! You know, you know. I remember growing up and my, my it, it wasn't Jordan and I, it was mostly my sister that was the one that, you know. <laughs> I remember, I remember there was this time, uh, uh, my sister Ashley was, oh, just a little kid. And mom and dad would, would they'd be in the front seat and, and we'd be in the back seat. And they'd turn back and, and specifically to her, they'd be like, no talking, no noise. And you had to say no noise because with her, you say no talking. She'd be like, hum, da, hum, 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 right? You guys ever, you know, she'd start to do something. You know, she'd like, like, you know, I don't know, make noises with her teeth, uh, like, like nails on a chalkboard. And you're just like, what? What's going on? And so they had to, they had to clarify any time that, that they turned in the back, shut up, you know. It was, it was no talking, no noise. So I just wonder, now, now obviously that's... It's a little humorous, um, and I think that, that this is more than just a dad wanting his kids to get along. I mean, it's part of it, isn't it? But there's a bigger picture. 
There's a kingdom purpose that he wants us to accomplish. We're stronger together than we are separate. I start looking at and thinking about, well, what, what does God actually think about division and discord and dissension? What's he think about that stuff? Because, you know, is it just like, hey, you know, it'd be better if you guys would do this, you know, but whatever you guys think, you know, let's, let's just have a conversation here. As I read through Scripture, it's a little bit more clear than that. And again, I'm not trying to shoot this at anybody, but, why, well, let me just let God speak for himself. Look at this. Like, what about Romans 16? Verse 17 through 20, he says this. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Wow. He wrote it. I didn't write that. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. In verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Just interesting. I, I've looked at that last part about the God of peace crushing Satan. I never saw it in relation to division and discord. That's interesting to me. Well, what about this? He, in, in 1 Corinthians, and Paul's writing this stuff, and so I guess he's an expert on all of this, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. In other words, you are still fleshly. You're still, you're still functioning out of the flesh, out of your own, your own ideas, your own mind. And then it goes on. It says, For the, where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Ouch. Ouch. Well, what about this one? <laughs> Titus chapter 3. Good old Titus. And, and Paul is writing to, um, this is one of the pastoral epistles. In other words, he's writing to these young pastors like myself that just kind of need some encouragement with their, with their churches they just took over. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. In other words, they get, they get twice. <laughs> right? They warn them once, and the second time, boom, you're out. Man, that's, I have never been at a church like that. That's crazy. Look at this. And then he says, knowing that such a person, per, person, sorry, knowing that such, such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. I like this. You go into Galatians 5. Any of you ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5? Ever studied the fruit of the Spirit? I think there's nine fruits. Of the have you ever studied the fruits of the flesh? There's also fruits of the flesh. Watch this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, better get rid of sorcery in this place, hatred, hatred, that's a big one, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath. Any of you know these things might cause division? Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, murders, well, that does it every time, by the way murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And again, he's talking about practicing as in like a, um, a habitual, we're, we, are, we are committed to this as opposed to the other. And uh, just interesting. I mean, anybody got like goosebumps in here now? Like, oh man, that was nice. That was, good. That was, that was some good stuff. In our main text today, we're going we're gonna to start to bring some positive light to this whole deal. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, he says this. He says, I therefore... In other words, he's referencing everything that he's talked about before that. If any of you grammar teachers, right? I therefore, because of all of that we've talked about in the first three chapters and specifically right before this, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Let's pause there. All this stuff that we've been talking about for the last five weeks, now... Let's live this out. Let's live worthy of this calling that God's, that God's calling us to. Verse 2, with lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I think, that, I think Paul was from Texas. In y'all, right? <laughs> it's not, well, let me tell you what it's not saying. It's not saying that we all have to be in agreement all the time. Now, I, I've preached before about the power of agreement. And there is power in agreement when we can all agree on one thing, especially if we can agree on what the Lord's saying right? I mean, like there's power in agreement. But how many know that, that it, it's probably not possible, maybe not even healthy for us to all agree on everything all the time. And uh, in fact, it, it's not saying, listen, listen, there's a difference between unity and uniformity, okay? And what Paul's talking about, what God through Paul is saying is we're, we're after unity. We're not necessarily after cookie cutter people in this place that, that we, all, we all think the same, do the same, that, you know, uh, everybody, everybody has the same gift. Everybody, you know, everybody's an ear, everybody's a nose, everyone's a foot, right, in the body of Christ. No, but he's saying, but there's unity, though. There's unity. Otherwise, we battle to see who wins. If it's about uniformity, we battle to see who wins. Um, you remember in the, in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, he says that the two shall become one. He's talking about unity. In, in a lot of marriages, it's a battle to see which one will become. Right? The two shall become one. Well, which one? And, and it, it's not about that. It's about, I love what Pastor Greg always said to me, and he always said, there's a third way. There's, where, where we, can, we can put, well, it's maybe not just your way. It's maybe not just your way. Let's find it another way. And, and this is really what, more, what unity really looks like. And so today I want to I share a few things with you. Number one, I want to share this. There's a call to unity, number one, that we see here in Ephesians with, with the Apostle Paul. And the thing, the thing about this is this, is that it's a requirement, not an option. You may even want write to that, write that down in your notes. It's a requirement not an option. And that sounds good in theory, but how many know that, that when it's put to the test, it, doesn't, it feels like it's probably more of an option? It feels like, well, ah, man, I don't know about this time. Again, you know, dad's never happy when the kids are arguing in the back seat. 
And I just think, man, I wonder. I wonder what he thinks about it sometimes. I wonder. Jesus actually commanded it. That's a, big, that's a good reason to do it. You remember in John uh, 13, um, verse 34, he says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Oh, sorry. You get that back on. You know the problem isn't different denominations and tribes in the body of Christ? I mean, there's actually some good things. We actually gather under different missions, different, different focuses and things like that. You know what the, what the, what the, what the real problem is? The problem is that we gather and talk trash about one another. That's the big deal. You know, maybe we get together once a year for an Easter service or something like that, a Good Friday service or whatever. But man, wouldn't it be, what if we just started loving like all the different flavors across the city, right? Those that, that obviously are, <laughs> you know, believe the main things, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Bible's the Word of God, and that you must be born again. That'd be a good place to start right there, Right? So the, I don't know if the problem is necessarily denominations, but it's that, it's that we, we talk trash about each other. Maybe not you. Maybe not you. There were um, two taxidermists. They stopped in front of a window where an owl was on display. And uh, they immediately began to criticize the way it was mounted. Its eyes were not natural its wings were not in proportion with its head. Its feathers were not neatly arranged. Its feet could be improved. Just when they had finished with their criticism, the owl turned his head and blinked. It's easier to be critical than correct. <laughs> As I was preparing, I figured, man, you gotta, you got to insert a couple things in this, uh, you know. It could get heavy real quick. John chapter 17, we start to see the heart of Jesus. And he's talking about us. He's actually talking about you and I in John 17, starting verse 20. He says this, I don't pray for these alone. In other words, he says, I'm not just talking about the disciples and those that are hanging out with me right now, but I'm also talking about those who will come. He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We can just insert Spirit of Life Church right there that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I'm just going to stop there. That's just huge. It's, I love the phrase, just as. He's like, this is the picture of unity. Jesus is talking to his Father, and this is what he wanted. Just as I am in you and you are in me. May they be in us. May, may it be exactly like the, the picture that you and I have, Father, of, of this unity where we're almost inseparable, where, where you can't see where one stops and the other begins. May just like that, may they be in us. May that, the whole Spirit of Life Church be in us. May it look like that. May unity look like that. I love the heart of Jesus in there. You know, another thing I've found about this call to unity is, um, maybe it's just me, but it's never easy. It's never easy. In fact, there's some, maybe there's some easy moments, but how many know when, uh, you know, you live life long enough, you've been in a church long enough, um, that there's going to be a moment, at least one, when you have to choose to walk in unity. 
It's never easy. Um, Ephesians 4, as, we, as you move on in that passage, you remember when I said endeavoring, or the NIV says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Make every effort. Romans 12, verse 18 puts it this way. Paul, again, in Romans, he says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. It's this thing. I've heard people, they've even come into my office or I've just been around them, and they said, well, I tried. I tried to live at peace with them, you know. I tried. I'm like, you tried? I've done any of you. Maybe you've heard it this way. I've done everything. I've done everything to resolve this. I've done everything. Like, everything? You've done every single thing. Every single thing. There's no other thing. I've tried to fix my marriage. I've done everything. Like, what did you do? Well, I did this, this, and this. You did a whole three things to fix your marriage. You did everything. There's, There's three things. There's three possible. There is only three possible things to fix your marriage. I've done everything to fix this relationship. I've done all of it. All of it, Pastor Jonathan. All of it. Really, everything. Every, am I hitting that a couple times? Just, it, just, it boggles my mind sometimes. Now, the, Paul, Paul does give a little bit of an out here in Romans 12 because, because he says that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. How many know that the thing about relationships is that there's two parties? And that you could, maybe you could do everything. I've done everything. I'm like, okay, all right, you finally have. You finally have done all 12 things. And Paul says this, as far as it depends on you, even if the other person doesn't do anything, as, as far as it depends on you, if you've done everything that you know to do, that's what Paul's saying here. He says, as far as it depends on you, live on, at peace with everybody. You don't get just like an easy way out. Hmm. It, it really ministers to me. <laughs> I, mean, I, had to, I, had to st- I had to be in this more than 45 minutes, guys, this week, right? You guys get 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I got to do some, some heart check. I mean, that, the beauty of being the pastor is by the time I get up to, like, preach the message, like, I've gotten saved three more times and already, like, given money in the offering plate. <laughs> wow. Galatians 5, we read, we read a little bit ago about the fruit of the flesh. And, and as we read that, we, we understand that it's our default mode. It, it's, like, it's what comes naturally. The fruit of the flesh is what comes naturally. It, it, in, in other words, if you want to walk in unity with the body of Christ, if you want to walk in unity in your family, if you want to walk in unity with those key relationships in your business or in your life, like, it's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take work. It's going to take, here's the word, it's going to take choice. You're going to have to choose to do it. You're probably not going to get a whole lot of Holy Spirit goosebumps when it happens. In fact, um, the guy that wrote this, Paul, he wasn't perfect at this. Like, it just makes it easier for me to get up and preach because I look at Paul's life and I'm like, well, he wrote Bible and he didn't do this all perfect all the time. Like, he, in fact, there was a story in, uh, in Acts 15 right towards the end and, and Paul and his mentor, it'd be like Pastor Greg and I, and, uh, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that him and I have done this much, but, right? <laughs> I, I actually threw him up in the sound booth today so that, uh, so that I could 
Okay, anyways. So, but, but Paul and Barnabas, Paul and, and, and Barnabas was Paul's mentor, and they come to this, this crucial point in their ministry where this guy named Mark um, was, uh, uh, was, was kind of like the intern going on these short-term mission trips. And Mark, in Paul's eyes, was showing a little bit of unfaithfulness, a little bit of unreliability, and Paul was like, cut him, cut him. He's just not, he's not hacking it. Any of you, any of you business people, you'd be like, you're done. Or who's the guy? You're fired, right? Mr. Trump. And Paul, that's where he was. Barnabas was like, no, give him another chance. Give him like nine more chances. Bring him along. He's gonna, he'll, he'll get this eventually. Now you find out later that Barnabas was actually right because, well, Mark wrote, well, the book of Mark. And again, if you write Bible, I'm thinking Paul was wrong. <laughs> I don't know. But watch this verse. In Acts 15, verse 39 and 40, it says this, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and and departed, being commended by the brothers to the praise of God. Just an interesting place that, man, no matter, no matter how far you are in your walk with God or, or, or what level of, of relationship you have, no matter if you've like gone to seminary or whatever and have a card in your wallet that says you're a pastor, man, some, at some point, you're going to have to choose unity because it's hard. It's a big deal. We were, we were called to maintain it, not create it. And that, that's, a, that's a, big, it's a big deal because when you look at the first three chapters, again, we're just starting the walking part today and sit, walk, stand. And the, God already did a whole bunch of stuff for us in, in the first three chapters. And now he says, okay, now it's your turn to maintain. Now it's your turn to maintain this whole thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. Remember we read this? It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in y'all. This is, in essence, what we unify around. This is what we can all agree about, right? These things. We can all agree about this, the the unity that God's talking about. Everything else is just details. Here's the second thing. Not only is there a call to unity, there's obstacles to unity. And everybody in here, you're like, yeah, no duh, Pastor Jonathan. But but watch this. Look it. Well, first of all, it's like the man who was stranded all alone on the desert island. He was rescued. Maybe you heard this story. His rescuers asked him what the three structures were that he had built on the island. Three buildings seemed perplexing for just one man. He said, well, one was his house and one was his church and one was where he used to go to church before he got his feelings hurt. Right? There's obstacles to unity here, okay? The first obstacle that I see about unity is pride. I mean, can we just be honest? Like, we get rid of pride and we can go a long ways, right? Pride's a big deal. It's this thought, that, how dare you do that to me? It's a need to feel we're better, we're smarter, we're more committed. It's a looking down on approach. That's what pride is. The other thing that I, well, and, and by the way, I struggle with that. Gosh, and plus, you know, a little bit because I'm higher than you guys, you know, but no. <laughs> 
But pride, I mean, pride's a big deal. I mean, I don't know if you've struggled with it. Man, I've struggled with that all my life. I have to punch it in the face all the time. The other thing is this gift projection. This is what I mean by gift projection. It, it's like that we assume that whatever God has called me to do, he's called everyone else to do. You know, the truth is we all have a different assignment. And, and, and so to, to think that everybody's got to do it your way, Everyone's got to do it my way. Everyone's got to be an ear. Everyone's got to be a foot. Everyone's got to be this or be th- like. Well, actually, we all have different assignments, and 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 that's a good thing. It's a big deal. First Corinthians twelve is one place that you can look and see that that there's that we're all different different parts. We're the same body, but we're different parts, and there's different functions. The other thing I see in this, all the obstacles to unity, now, this is just, and, and I was, I'm like, you know, so Lord, you know, what are the obstacles? And he's like, well, look at your own life. I'm like, okay, you know, well, no, the next one I saw in my own life, selfishness, selfishness. I want it my way. Now, contrary to popular opinion, the body of Christ is not like Burger King. I, um, I was telling someone the other day, I don't remember who, but I was, we, I was talking, and I was, I was looking at my selfish journey, you know, the progression of selfishness <laughs> in my life. I started looking at this. I started seeing, you know what? I, I didn't know I was selfish until I got married. Like, I, thought I, I, I mean, I thought I was, it was mostly about other people, right? Then I got married, and I realized it was all about me. Like, this is... This really stinks. And then, and then I realized, I mean, then I started having children, and I realized I am so much more selfish than I was before. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I mean, every, I don't know if it's like every child adds more levels of, like, of revelation of selfishness. I'm just hoping, I'm, I'm hoping maybe we'll just stop. Maybe, after, I don't need to know how much more selfish I am. I got it already, okay? <laughs> For the love. Selfishness. <laughs> you know, the other thing that, that we see as far as obstacles to unity is power, prestige, and preference. Well, actually, this falls under selfishness. Power, prestige, and preference. It, it's what most church battles are over. Power, prestige, and preference. You know, most of the time, I'm not saying all the time. How many know there's some heretical stuff out there, right? There's some teachings that we go, eh, you know, that, that was wrong. That needs to not be taught. You need to be, you know, right? We need to correct some of those things. But how many know most of the time it's about preference? I'm not going to, like, mention what the preferences are, you know. You'll think I'm talking about you. I like Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Isn't that powerful? Wow. In other words, let us, let us think about other people higher than we think about ourselves. We, we say this a lot here, that, that, it's, uh, that it's about you, but it's not all about you. This is probably that portion of Scripture where we're just like, it's not about you. Right? This is that part where you're just like, let's focus on the part that's about other people. The, the other, one of the other obstacles to unity is impatience. Man, I just kept getting punched in the face this week by the Holy Spirit. Impatience. Any of you ready to get done with this? Any of you like, let's just move this along? 
you've been preaching quite a way. We've got to get out to lunch. No, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like convict everybody this morning. Tell everyone say, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's you, Jonathan. <laughs> Impatience. Impatience is a big deal. We get frustrated with those who haven't yet seen what we've seen. When we get impatient, we forget our own journey. You know that it took you a while to get where you're at, right? We get impatient with, with, with our church friends and our family, and, and part of that's because, because we've, we've already walked this journey, and now we're like, come on! Come on! Can't you, th- you know, get this through your thick skull? Can't you figure this out? We're like, Maybe if we just like pause and say, oh, yeah, you know what? It took me a while to get to this place, too. It took me a while to get to this place. You know, people are on a spiritual journey. Uh, Romans chapter 14 is brilliant in talking about this. Maybe you should look at that this week. Uh, it really, he's talking about uh, one who has a weaker faith and one who has a stronger faith in Romans 14. And, and there were some things that they were discussing. One had to do with food sacrifice to idols and, and whether it was okay to eat that food and, 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 or not eat that food. And Paul basically was saying, you know, it depends on, on, on where your faith is at. Uh, another thing they were talking about is when, we, when should we like worship the Lord? Should we worship on this day or that day? Day or whatever, and, 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 and Paul's like, you guys are missing the whole point here. You're missing the whole point. That everyone's on a different journey. These aren't the black and white issues. These aren't, these aren't like the Ten Commandment issues. These are those things that we, where he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, what's God saying to you? What, is it okay for you to do that? Man, how many know that there's some other things we could probably fill in the blank in that chapter um, that, that some, one person's faith allows them to do this and another person's faith allows them to do that? Now, we're not talking about sin, right? We're talking about these things that, that are on our, our spiritual journey. Here's the, here's the last thing today. Here's the way to unity. We had a call to unity We had the obstacles to unity. But here's the way to unity. And I love that Paul just kind of laid it right out there for us. Now, you got to understand these words, humble, gentle, patient. you got to understand these, that these aren't like feeling words. These are do words. These are things that, that you don't just like get around to when you feel like it. These are like a command to do, to be humble, gentle, patient. Be humble in Ephesians 4.2. It says, with all lowliness in the, King, in the New King James Version, and, and in other versions, it's with humility. And what, what this is, it's like an accurate, this is what humility is in, in a lot of ways. It's an accurate assessment of yourself. In Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 3, it, in, in one version, it says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Again, it's about you, but it's not all about you, Right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. uh, Here's another thing about humility. It's it's an awareness of my shortcomings. Like in Matthew 7, where he's talking about, about, um, you know, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's eye, right? Right? It's just an awareness that that I've got a log. It's it's like, you know what? Oh, I've I've got shortcomings. Um, I've got some issues to work on. Um, it's like using the Bible um, as a mirror to look at yourself instead of a binocular to look at other people. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. It's a commitment to listen to understand instead of listen to rebut. Doesn't that sound more like humility? To listen to understand instead of listening to rebut. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding. 
but in expressing his own heart. Hmm. Humility, there's a sense of security. The more insecure we are, the, the more we have to battle for our power, prestige, and preference. The, the other thing we see here um, under the, the way to unity is be gentle. Be gentle. I don't know, you know, like in the original Greek and Hebrew and everything, um, to gentle, well, it means gentle, right? Isn't that pretty like a simple one? Listen to this. It's like this. Being right doesn't excuse angry outbursts or slanderous outbursts. Uh, My dad used to tell me, like, you could be so right, but you're so wrong with the way you handled that. You're so right, or someone said, you're so, maybe you're so right, but you're so wrong at the top of your voice. Right? It's like it, it, this whole deal of, of being gentle. It's like I, uh, I, I don't get excused to act however I want to act just because I'm right. I mean, you guys understand that, right? We have, some of you have kids or you've been around kids and maybe it was yourself. Me. Yeah. I love... Um, Galatians 5, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, we talk about the fruit of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you know, fruit um, doesn't have to try to grow. It just is. It's just natural. As we're connected with the Spirit of God, this is the fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Gentleness. This other thing this, on the way to unity is patience. I love that word, long-suffering. This is what it means. Long-suffering. Right? Long-suffering. That means there's not, a, there's not like, a, like a quick way out. There's not like an exit door. There's like, like patience means long and suffering. In, in Ephesians 4, he says, bearing with one another in love. Um, I, I, when I was looking that up, it was it really what it meant was put up with one another. I'm glad you put in love. Putting up with one another, bearing with one another in love. The, the New Living says this, make allowance or making allowance for others' faults because of love. Wouldn't that be great? If we made allowance for each other's faults because of love, because I love them, because I love you. It's huge. I'm going to have uh, Kelly come and get ready, and I'm going to start. I'm just going to read this story in closing. Remember, we're, we're starting to walk now. We're getting some of the dew. It's a big deal to walk in unity, isn't it? Amen. Listen to this. I don't know if any of you watch uh, football, national football, right? We're not just talking about the There's more to the world and life than just the Huskers. There's also the Arizona Cardinals. Okay? All right? We can have two loves. Okay? So, uh, but in, in the National Football League, there was two, two football players. I think it was, might have been this last season. There was a guy named Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin. And... Uh, Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin had every reason as teammates to be friends, but they were not. Incognito harassed and bullied Martin. He called him a racial slur and a voicemail played by every media outlet in the country. Any of you ever remember that? 
that, uh, that whole deal. Uh, he threatened to kill him and his family. Incognito claimed all of that was just a locker room talk. It's the way guys talk to one another in the NFL, right? Apparently, Martin didn't get the memo. Martin left his lucrative job citing emotional issues and fearing for his life. Though we don't know all the details, it appears as if Martin had some culpability as well. He was far too passive in dealing with Incognito's threatening behavior. As a teammate, it appears he should have expressed how troubling Incognito's threats were to him. These two men had many more reasons to get along than to have a toxic relationship. Consider all the reasons they had to be friends. They were both football players. They were on the same team. They were both offensive linemen. In other words, they, they played on the same side of the line. They were both starters. They both wanted to win. Both were big dudes. Now that's one. Both were millionaires. A lot of reasons to get along. Yet somewhere along the way, one or both of them forgot they played for the same team and began to treat each other like the New England Patriots. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. They forgot the enemy was in another city. They forgot uh, the enemy is on another team. And similarly, we have many more reasons to honor one another than to dishonor one another. We have the same owner. Amen? We have the same Father cheering us on from the press box. We have the same Savior who scouted us and forgave us. We have the same spirit within. We have the same playbook. We have the same purpose. We're going to the same place when this life is over. You know, one thing I figured out about this unity deal, I can't like invite you up to the altar and impart it over you. Like I can't lay hands on, right? And be like, I don't know, say some, some really cool thing and like, ah, oh, you got unity now. Like uh, you can't impart it. This is the deal. It's a choice and it's a command. Can we stand this morning? This e I think it's this evening now, sorry. Jesus. In just a few minutes, we're just going to have Pastor Kelly lead us in some worship as we close. And you're welcome to take off here in a minute whenever you need to take off. We're just going to just spend some time with the Lord. And um, you're welcome to come up to the altar and get prayer. We'll have some people up here and praying with you. But here's the deal. This deal, this, I was just sensing this about unity. There really is a thing between you and God. You might just have to examine your heart, examine your life, your work relationships, your family, maybe even this church. There may be somebody in this room that you need to like cross the sanctuary and go over and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. Man, I, I choose to love you. And whatever that may be, unity is a choice. And it's a command. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, all over this place, I just ask for just a greater level of grace and strength to live this thing out. Lord, we got five weeks of all the stuff you did for us. And Lord, would you help us maintain unity in the bond of peace? And it's because of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. And whenever you need to take off, you can take off. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.
Oh